We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Wednesday at 10, 9 Central. Get ready for your newest TV addiction, the new series, Pure. Premiering on WGN America, Pure is based on the true events of the Mennonite mob. You heard right, Mennonites. Most are kind people, but one group was part of the world's most dangerous drug cartel. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor who is determined to rid his community of the mob and drugs, but he's way over in his head. Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. Get hooked on Pure. Season premiere Wednesday at 10, 9 Central, only on WGN America. Available on DirecTV channel 307, Dish channel 239, or check your local cable listings. All right, Light Years Podcast. We are back. Andy Lou, Sam Espediari, 10 yeah, for 10 from 3. I don't know what I'm more hyped about. Play going 17 for 20 or the Mennonites premiering on Wednesday on WGN. Have you watched the Pure trailer? It looks nice. I have. Have you? I have. It's good. I was thinking that we should live tweet it. I think people will like it. I think the followers will enjoy it. I mean, I it's going to be nice. I'm just, you know, but enough of that. That's Better than the Lakers people are here. What, what, we have a new Mennonite pod coming out. Um, <laughs> But, but this is the Light Years Pod. We're here to discuss the Warriors and the NBA as a whole. So we're recording this at the end of the third quarter. Clay's already gone insane. And, you know, we're just taking our chances. Nothing's going to happen in the fourth. Uh, if the Lakers do mount a comeback, uh, well, we're probably going to delete this and re-record it. So. <laughs> we'll talk about it live. Really one of the most boring games that we've seen all season until Clay went off. So that was entertaining, but I mean, are, are there even any thoughts that you can get about this? I can, I guess we can parlay this into a boogie analysis. Yeah, which we're so gonna do I mean, next. I was just gonna say, like, come on, they're missing. 
You know, it's funny. Like we all made fun of the Lakers for like having no shooting and getting all these point guards and like, just like ball handlers in general, you know, like why do you want Rondo when you have LeBron and like, how's Lonzo going to play with these two guys? And they're all injured at the same time. So it's just, it's like one of those weird ironies. Like they get like three guys who want the ball in their hands and they're still stuck playing Ingram and Lance Stevenson at point guard against the Warriors tonight, just because that's the way it broke. It's just so ugly, too. Like, is there any type of system that you can play around LeBron that, like, oh, my. Uh, Steph is having an awful game tonight, by the way. Is there, like, really any system that you can put around LeBron that makes other people better when he isn't playing, right? Like, it's almost like they intentionally put scrubs around him and then just said, you know, we're just going to be trash when LeBron's not playing. And LeBron's out for – he's going to be out for, like – but but I mean Over we can take we can take it a step we can fall back like Lonzo was finally starting to play some reasonably consistent ball nah I wouldn't even say consistent but like pretty good <laughs> I was gonna say and then Rondo can do some things like in it's not like they're gonna be anywhere near as good without LeBron but at least that's some playmaking to go with what they have you know and with all of that out it's just like I, there's just nothing to even take from this game you know there's there's no analysis to be had that's worth anything right yeah that's true i think it kind of uh more importantly i was a little that first quarter when they trotted out the lineup of the five all-stars and and five guys that are you know could be the best player on a team there's four guys on the floor that can drop 40 right 30 or 40 i was actually a little bit concerned like how can you remember gobert tweeted that thing and he said you know only one, one ball, ball or something like that i actually kind of that it finally hit me then like all right like last like couple seasons ago you had kd nah they could still incorporate that they need yeah him. because clay but doesn't can, want the ball in his hands so mm-hmm. you know this one's tough though how do you incorporate this yeah so i was thinking about it like right now they're doing that thing where they're all in their best behavior trying to get everyone else going and also no one's seen them play together like it's not like they've Mm -hmm. they've played two teams now one is kind of just all injured and the other was the first game they played with boogie at some point teams are gonna get a little film on them and start like trying to figure out ways to mess with them and that's where it's gonna get interesting because that's where the one ball thing comes you know like where a team overplays something and boogie decides to you know take eight shots in a row because he has a one-on-one matchup but do we really want Boogie to take eight shots in a yeah. row? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's eight that, shots that, that Steph and KD aren't getting. That's what it was. KD already is comfortable not shooting enough, in my opinion. I actually think he should shoot more this season, but he seems fine Isn't with it. He, I can't think of a, a player anywhere near as talented as him who just does not need touches to find a rhythm. Isn't it like weird? Like, it's you know, crazy. You're No, you're completely right. Because Steph is opposite. Or like... You can you can still kind of do that with Steph, but KD is another level because he cannot touch the ball for like five, six, seven possessions, and then the next play he'll shimmy, and then he'll like he'll swish a shot from twelve feet, pull up, and it's like, how do you do that, right? Like how how's that? And that's really like the perfect fit. That's the perfect guy you want, but still like. I'd rather have him shoot more than he has. Steph, we know about Steph, right? And then right. you got like Clay, it's, who's going to shoot whatever. It's nice that KD can do that, but ideally you're not going seven possessions in a row where he's not touching it. You were concerned before the season about that with Cousins. I wasn't because I didn't care. But now the more I think about it, I'm like, no, nah, I mean, it's kind of right. Like, Cousins is going to take a bunch of shots. The issue isn't in the second quarter lineups, the, the second or fourth quarter lineups when he's on the floor with Clay. The issue is in the beginning, right? Because – when a game starts and you're quarter. trying 
yeah, you're trying to get people in rhythm and you have kind of too many guys. And all of a sudden, let's say, you know, Cousins takes three or four shots and, and Steph is feeling it, whatever it is, and it's kind of out of rhythm. So, yeah, I mean, that's tough again. So, so we should. It's kind of a, a BS thing, right? But... Yeah. So, so people are going to just kind of like roll their <laughs> eyes at us. But where it does come in is if there is a team who's clever enough to come up with a strategy to kind of mess with the Warriors, if they get into late game situations with this five out there with no chemistry or kind of idea how they want to go to it that's where you could see the Warriors mess up. And it, and, it, and it would be a situation where it's like they just haven't figured out how to play this five together. But, hey, you know, no one's going to give them sympathy for the fact that they, <laughs> they don't know how to play together even though they have more talent, right? Yeah, that's true. You know what's going to happen, too? He's just not going to play. Like, he's just not going to, like – So that, that's, what, that's what's interesting. I don't know if Kerr has the juice to do that. I know you. You think that they just, just go small. Go small at the end of games. This is your best lineup. <laughs> Like, if someone beats you when you go small, then they beat you when you go small. Um, but yeah. I don't know that he'll do it. Yeah. I, Cousins is not KD, right? Well, that, that's, that That's kind of the thing, though. Like, KD, he's not going to tell KD what to do. We've seen that, right? I think with Cousins, it's a different story. Well, also, like, there's, hey, no, there's no, like, five-man lineup that doesn't involve KD, Steph, and Clay in general. That's not mm-hmm. – like, they can't pull out a lineup that's better with one of those three not on it. Right. I mean, for, but from a perspective of just telling him what to do. Like, hey, KD, sure. stop ISOing, right? Like, that type of thing. Like, KD, Kerr has never done that, or he's not going to do that. Actually, he did on tape, and then he got them to delete the footage. I, that was funny, which was kind of weird, but is interesting in terms of the dynamics of, of both guys. But I think he's kind of okay with it because they kind of know, like, hey, Cousins, you're gone next season most likely. And it's like, dude, if you don't like it, it's fine. Um, we'll figure it out without you. We've already figured it out without you. But you're right. I mean, he may be – maybe what I mean is this. He won't do it in crunch time. He won't do it when it matters. They're very comfortable with that. Maybe he'll, he'll start him no matter what, and he'll start the fourth quarter no matter what. But there's no way if he's not playing well or there's no rhythm that he's playing in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah. And Kerr really trusts Iguodala, and he should. And Andre is kind of one of those guys who you throw him out there in those moments because he's he's Iguodala. So you're probably right. This is just me thinking four to five moves ahead. Like for the next month, it's going to be pretty awesome to watch him play through it. But at some point, someone's going to come up with some sort of weird counter that might make this interesting. I, I guess what would be because let's break that down a little bit because I liked Ethan's okay. article on the Athletic and he talked about you know boogie paradox and he talked about the pick and roll with KD because um, everybody thinks of the one with Steph. What can you really do like out on on defense right Let, on offense you can say hey put boogie in the pick and roll blah 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 but on defense what can you really do to combat that if you're the Raptors the Celtics the Rockets what is there because I can't think of anything. I mean, I think in general you want to bait the Warriors into posting Boogie up. Well, I mean, he can he can he's a kill passer you. too. Right? Yes, but he can kill you from it. But in general, if the ball's in his hands, it's not in Steph or KD's hands, which are the the better options. So you do the same thing where you kind of overplay Steph and Clay, and just kind of dare Boogie to go one on one. And this is where he's looked better than. I've expected immediately off the Achilles, but that doesn't mean, you know, he's going to be cool to, to back someone down and post up for, I don't know, you know, 35 minutes a game. Right. (laughs) 
we're getting ahead of ourselves, but ultimately it comes down to can you muck the Warriors out of rhythm? Well, that's okay. So, so when I think of that, I think of the, the Grizzlies who did it correctly the first time. And when you muck the war, and this was before KD. And so when you do that, you, you hold Steph, you hold clay, the fouls don't get called and the Warriors supporting players can't score enough. All right. So let's say somebody is able to do that. I, I, I immediately think of like, you know, Al Horford, Marcus Moore, or I think of like, Pascal Siakam and, and uh, Serge Ibaka, right? Those East teams. The Rockets, if, if they find some wings. But the other side of that is you do get Boogie posting up. That's what I think about is you get him on P.J. Tucker, and I don't care how strong P.J. Tucker is or whatever it is. That's a layup, right? He's going right through them. And so I don't think he's pound, 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 pound. Um, I think it's more they'll get him in the right spot, and that's over from there. I, I don't really see a way you can defend that because if also if you do ignore Draymond, which is what everyone does, they also ignore Iguodala. That's why it kind of works. You can guard those two guys. But now that you can't do that, you are just ignoring Draymond, and you have to guard the other four guys. That's where it's like there's really no defense you can play because somebody's going to be able to – somebody's going to be able to drop 30 and – Cousins can shoot threes, right? Um, so- I mean, at the yeah, at the end of the day, you're, you're basically hoping to bait them in the less def- the less efficient good option. It's not like it's <laughs> which a is bad- clay. <laughs> it's it's not a bad option or anything, and <laughs> you're hoping that they kind of combust from having too much. You know, like Katie or Steph starts yapping at someone, like "Get me the ball," and like it mm-hmm. it, 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 it like unravels that way. Which I mean you kind of have to hope that happens because I mean, you're not going to out talent them. It's a light years podcast. And like the rest of us, you probably made a new year's revolution. If you're planning to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder, watch less James Harden or whatever. It all starts with a good night's rest. Go to mypillow.com, click on the four pack special, and enter my promo code cozy. And you'll get two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to mypillow.com right now and click on their four pack, shipping is absolutely free. No shipping cost, Zippo, nada. And don't forget about their 60 day money back guaranteed. There's nothing better than getting the gift of restorative sleep. Go to mypillow.com, click on the four pack special, use my code COZY. To get two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows, mypillow.com or just call 800-966-1472. And remember, our promo code can be used for any offer at mypillow.com. That's promo code cozy. You've heard plenty of stories about drug cartels. They're all over the news, but the crime ring you've probably never heard of is one of the most dangerous in the world. They are the Mennonite mob. You heard right. Mennonites. 99% of them are kind, God-fearing people. But there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars of narcotics from Mexico all the way to Canada. Wednesday, starting January 23rd, this Wednesday, at 10-9 Central WG in America, presents the new TV series, Pure, based on the true events of the Mennonite mob. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor, who is determined to rid his community of the drug cartel. But he finds himself way on over his head, and the good pastor, along with his wife, will do some very bad things, all in the name of protecting their family. 
Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. Get hooked on Pure Wednesday starting January 23rd at 10, 9 central only on WGN America. WGN America available on DirecTV channel 307, Dish channel 239, or check your local cable listings for the channels in your area. Yeah, I think um, the other piece is that with Boogie Back, it's made it a lot more fun for Draymond to play and for KD. I think Steph and Clay are always going to kind of be having fun out there. But I think for Draymond and, and KD, those guys are kind of the closest, right, to Cousins. So I think it was pretty cool for them to see him back. And that's something that they needed because – Dude, they have like 40 games left or, or whatever it is. 30, 40 yeah, games just left. just slicing it up. They could have been anyone, right? But it, it's just – and he doesn't look good tonight. We're watching the game right now. Cousins is not moving well at all. Like, And that's going to that, happen. And like, that's kind of what I expected. Like I thought game one would be adrenaline. And it's not like yeah. he was amazing in game one, but you just saw enough flashes. And obviously it was emotional for him. And, you know, it's it's first game, but like it's probably going to be a handful of games here where it's – um is a little up and down. I mean, yeah. probably for like 15 games, if anything. Yeah, maybe the whole season. <laughs> but it's it's one of, it's one of those things where it might come in the playoffs too, right? So then tonight he just he looks awful, like he can't even move up and down the court. But you know that's that's normal. And so it's it's just uh, is there a chance that Boogie's back next season? What's the scenario? I do think there's a chance. I think if KD leaves, there's a better chance. They are not really going to be able to offer him that much money. So the chances he's back are largely related to him never looking dominant. Hmm. Like showing if his play kind of is 15% better than what we've seen so far. And other teams are like, man, you know, obviously we saw flashes, but like if we only saw flashes next to this team, how's he going to look next to our roster of, you know, not Steph Clay and KD? In which case, he might be stuck in another situation where he has to take in a mid level exception, in which case they can get him. I don't know that. I think people are assuming he's going to have huge offers in the summer. And I don't know, man. It's It's hard to see massive offers coming he, i yep. can see him getting yep. bigger than the mid-level but if someone's offering him 11 mil and the warriors offer him eight yep he yep. might consider coming back now if someone offers him 30 and the Warriors that's can not, only offer yeah. eight like that's a no-brainer right yeah but i don't know that he's even going to have the opportunity to show that he's worth 25 to 30 million in the limited time and touches he's going to get with the Warriors. There's, then, yeah, there's no way he gets 35 mil. Like, what? in what scenario is he going to be able to get that, right? And, um, and 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 actually, I didn't really think about this till recently, but, like, dude, next to all the Warriors, people are going to have this clouded, like, well, I don't know. He, he was playing next to the most perfect team of all time, and he didn't, like, you know, Overwhelmed. Set the, the world on fire. Yeah. 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 It's like he looked good, but like, how do I know he's going to look that good next to, you know, I don't, I don't know, Alfred Payton or, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, just going back to to the Pels. I get what you're saying. So, he, he, how about this? The, the, let's think of it this way. Let's say KD leaves. He goes to New York. Uh, let's say Draymond signs an extension, right? Because he doesn't even have mean, to. He's not a free agent. Right. But I, I would think that they want to go into chase with some. Well, we'll get into this later. But let's say, let's say Dre's uh, signs an extension. Let's say Clay signs the max, right? 
and kind of Cousins looks at it and he goes, well, they're moving into Chase Center. KD's gone. The Warriors do have, you know, three titles in a row. He kind of has the chance there to help them win a fourth one, right? You think of it that way, like all of a sudden he's the guy after everything you just said. He's not going to get 35, 30 mil, right? Like maybe he gets 10 to 15. He's, al- he's also not an, um, not an idiot. And in general, from a basketball perspective, the big man who can pass is the absolute perfect fit next to Stephen Clay. Just is like any you you watch basketball part Look of the Draymond. Re- yeah, but I mean, and he's not really a big, or he is, but well, he is. He plays a big, but like yeah. it's it, the the symmetry of it makes sense. Like we know exactly Ooh. how it works. You know, you run a little pick and roll. You run a little like post him, pass out. Like those are the type of players he wants to play with because we know Boogie wants touches. And if KD was to leave, he'd be like, "That's a lot." The optics of, look good. That's a lot of touches for me to show my full game with two guards who fit me perfectly. He looks like he could, you know, help him win, help him break. What like, to be the first I mean, team I mean, to win thinking, four since the Celtics? Yeah, and, and like I mean, Boogie thinks of himself as a versatile playmaking big, which he is. Wouldn't you want to play with shooting guards as opposed to like I don't know? DeMar DeRozan or, you know, even much better, James Harden. Like, how would – do you think Boogie would want to play with a guy like Harden or Westbrook? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. It, well, but, yeah. But then but then Steph and Clay, it's, it's, it's pretty much exactly what you want to. So yeah. they do have that kind of this is a good situation for you to thrive, play the way you want to play. And get the the credit you you know you, you kind of get all of it right. You do. It works out perfectly. Um, now, if KD stays, then that becomes you know that becomes another thing. It kind of depends how much fun they've had, how the rest of the season goes. But no, it's I think it's an interesting scenario because I think the Warriors have focused a lot of their efforts on keeping Kevin Durant as they should. It should be priority one. But I think there is kind of a backdoor option of keeping Demarcus Cousins, and I don't think that locker room is a problem because of Steph. I mean, it always comes back to it. Comes back to it, but ever since what Draymond and KD went through, ever since Steph came back, it's it's really been. I mean, everything's been on the up, right? And they've won eight in a row now with this one, and so I don't think locker room is a concern with with Boogie. So that's it's really the perfect scenario for him. The only issue is he is like not. He's not like he's. It's not like he's twenty four, right? So, uh, but he fits there. I mean, he's the same age as Clay. He's the same age as Draymond. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. You know, it's perfect from that standpoint. If anything, if he was a bunch younger, oh my, it might be um, less of a fit. But it's like kind of like, hey, we're all about the same age. This is our window. You know, I mean, yeah, from a payday perspective. Oh yeah, that that's true. So I mean, that's all it comes down to because, uh, especially since he tore his Achilles, yeah, like it's hard to ask a dude who, you know, probably saw his career disappear or thought it was going to to like. Oh yeah, just take a huge discount. Like, no, that dude yep. wants to get the the biggest contract he can. Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be fascinating if uh, if that happens. But I think for now, it's uh, it's fun to just watch how the Warriors use him. He's um, so far in the fourth I mean, quarter it, here. He's let, let's just... talk. Let's talk about how they use him. They're he, they're using him like a hybrid of how they used Bogut in most spades. Wow, that's a great comparison. That's a great. Uh... That's a great thought because, I mean, the other thing is he'd rather shoot threes, right? He'd rather shoot threes, and then he's a great screen setter. 
He's yeah. just mowing people down. He doesn't he set illegal screens because he can't move. And he loves do he loves passing out of the post and doing the dribble handoff. Like mm-hmm. he he's definitely a big in the sense of the type of guy who's always wanted to be a guard. Basically, he yeah. wants to show he's he, he's he's the kind of big who people tell him to post up, and he's like, "No, nah, I want to face up and like take people off the dribble." Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you see that pass that he had to? It was Clay, no Iguodala, um, from the left side paint. He gets the ball and he just swings it, and it's a perfect pass right into Iguodala's shooting pocket, all the way to the other side of the court. I remember Jordan Bell made that pass last year, and I was I was so juiced because you, one, you need that vision. Two, you need the ability to actually make that pass. I mean, like LeBron makes that type of pass regularly. And Cousins can do that like it's nothing. Which, when you think of Cousins, right? All right, all right, he's he's a big guy, he's a bruiser. You don't necessarily think of skill, but he's got more skill than almost any big in the league. So the the way they use him is Kerr's dream because you know he loves that. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what Kerr wants. He loves that and, shit. and then we should take it one step back. When you have Steph and Clay, the two best shooters probably ever, and maybe the two best moving off ball ever. You mm-hmm. know, like they're yeah. yeah you kind of need someone who can hold the ball in the middle of the court to find them, you know, like otherwise they're, they're moving off screens and no one's ever going to find them. It's kind of built off the idea that you have some sort of guy who can like physically seal a guy and make passes in either direction. Yeah. I, I think, um, and like obviously also... Bogut did that, um, but Bogut wasn't a scorer, but um, I mean that, are... no, but that's the difference. The, the guy doesn't play off of him. He's not in the paint, right? Right. Because if Bogey gets the ball at the three-point line, the guy's not standing a foot inside the paint. The, the guy is standing, you know, two feet, you know, at the white line, essentially. Yeah. Yep. And that kind of opens up everything. It's really the perfect player for, for Kerr. I think, like... At least offensively. You, yeah. If you, like, throw... Like... If you throw, like, uh, you know, what's a great big? I guess Carnathy Towns would also be a great fit. But let's say you put, like, Embiid, right? Like, who's someone who needs the ball a lot. Maybe it's a high turnover rate, right? And um, I, I think that's someone that's not as great of a passer as Cousins, right? He's a better player, but not as good of a fit. It, it just, I think it just works out perfectly. For someone that's noted as selfish, he really is an unselfish type of player. Yeah, and um, it should be noted, like, Kerr... Kerr's system is kind of a hybrid of of Phil Jackson and Pop. It's kind of a hybrid modern swing on it. Both those guys just love passing bigs. You know, like Phil wanted everything to go through Shaq. I love passing bigs. Before he had Shaq, it was like, you know, he'd find ways to, like, utilize Luke Longley. You know, like a guy who could pass but not really um, a scoring threat. And then obviously Duncan with Pop. So it's it's all that motion stuff is – I mean, you see it with Boston, who runs kind of a motion offense too, and Horford is pretty much the key to the whole thing. It's all kind of predicated off of having a big man who can who can kind of initiate from, from the elbows and stuff like that. So God. it's nice of having – it's nice having like maybe the best one. So You, you found a way to bring up Boston. <laughs> you just – you just – what are we, like 20 minutes in? found a way to bring up well we're going to talk about the east let's do that now well let's we well first off Boogie the warriors the warriors play boston uh on saturday the abc game were you a little bothered by the fact the warriors didn't open 
the the ABC calendar this year. Oh, we'll, what we'll, was it? Houston and, and, and the what Lakers? Was that? It was supposed the to be. It was supposed to be LeBron. Yeah, yeah. A little disrespectful. Um, no, just yeah, yeah. I think I think when I was younger, I used to care about those things. I used to get all mad. You remember the disrespect? But, yeah, like oh, ESPN would never show. You know when the and then you grow up and you're kind of like, well, the Warriors fucking suck. Like, what do you you know what do you kind of expect? Not that you know. I think that you know they they show too much LeBron now, right? And the fucking Lakers aren't any good. So well, uh, clutch clutch has a contract with ESPN, yeah. so no conflict of interest yeah, there. Yeah. But let, let's uh, zoom in on his growing real quick. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Yeah today when when uh whoever gets on and starts talking about uh, lebron's groin while clay goes nine for nine and ten for ten in back-to-back possessions and we're here talking about that's like dude like what are what are we doing right what, what are we actually like this is not how you market the game um but anyway oh but it is <laughs> it is how you market the game <laughs> yeah um apparently but just they, don't just don't pretend it's unbiased they i don't think the celtics are good or great you oh. think they are i think they don't have every fear that i had of them i think Kyrie's I, the best player in the east i'm not even I, well I'm if you say that now it. you gotta explain it okay you can't just now you got it in here now you gotta explain it i think okay the celtics are combustible they're the best team in the east they have the highest ceiling that let me let me let me take a step back they have the highest ceiling all their problems right now are pretty much related to gordon hayward um, I, I legitimately think it's an issue of um, him not being nearly as good, but him playing a bunch and just kind of throwing the whole rotation out of what type of stuff that Kerr would do where he's playing rotations that don't match production. But I don't think he's going to do it in the playoffs. Now, let me take a step back. They're still the deepest team in the East. I still think. Who, who's better than Kyrie? You're going to say Kawhi Leonard? Kawhi and you're gonna Giannis. you say Giannis? Giannis can't shoot the ball. Ka- okay, Kawhi the... and Giannis are better as basketball players. I mean, if you're going to – five minutes left in the game, I'll take Kyrie. But that doesn't make you a better player. and That doesn't make you the best player in the East. That just what makes is, you the what best is, clutch. What's the difference between Toronto with and without Kawhi this, this year? Not very much. Come on. Stop it. I'm serious. You come on. You, you He's the best player on the team, but it's not like they're not rolling teams without him. Okay, but – we know how Toronto is when they don't have an actual franchise player in the playoffs. Come on now. So my issues with Kawhi are purely related to the fact that I don't think he's a good passer. And I will, we'll just see in the playoffs. I think he's going to get trapped. I don't, I think he's going to start taking bad shots. We've never seen him actually play deep in a series that matters. As, as the number one role player, number one option, I get that. Um, here, here's the thing about the uh, here's the thing about the Celtics that I, that I feared coming in, and, and that's really coming true. Okay. Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown don't have high ceilings, at least ones that people think that they had. Al Horford is is good, but he's getting older. Kyrie Irving hasn't finished a postseason. He's finished, I think, one or two times in the past like five years. So, I mean, I guess you can say you know, okay, the, you know the injury, barring injury, but he's always injured. And the other thing is, Gordon Hayward is not going to be who he is at least for another year. So even if their ceiling is high, they have no chance to get there, at least not this season. So th- that's kind of my thing. And next season, let's say Kyrie isn't even there. Then they're kind of done. Okay, if right? Kyrie leaves, teammate. they're done. Okay, right. but, but let, me, let me back this up. Okay. So Jalen Brown, I agree with you. Jalen Brown is Harrison Barnes. He, he is. He's, he's worse. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a variation of it. Like we can argue okay, better correct. or worse. Yes. It doesn't really matter. It's the same concept. A guy who wants to 
be more than a three and D guy, but should really just be a three and D guy. Tatum, well, but oh, sorry. I think yeah. Tatum is better than that, but he might not be better than that anytime soon. He can actually do stuff off the bounce, but at this point, doesn't really matter. I think at the end of the day, when the Celtics have had <laughs> Kyrie Horford and smart in the lineup. They've generally rolled teams. They've been fine. They've been very efficient. They've been playing just BS combos for the entire year, but you see it when they need to turn up, they do what they need to do. I just, you, I think they need a better version of what the, like, it's fine if they can find good, like smarts. Good. Right. We agree on that. Horford's good. Uh, Morris is good. I, but I think, and, I, and by better. the way, I, I should, should say this. They play better when they have Smart and Horford in there because those guys know who they are. The issue is Tatum, Brown, Hayward off of the injury. None of them know who they are. And, and they're they're and really Stevens, not that good. But Stevens is doing this thing where he's like letting them explore themselves. It's a dicey thing, but it's it's a very currish thing. I think you're like, giving them too much credit, though. I they're not be. good enough to do that. I they're not the be. Warriors. The Warriors have won championships. They're not the they... Warriors, but they are. Dude, they got within a game of the finals without Kyrie or Hayward last year. I think they're dealing with a little bit of disease of more and no clue what their roles are when you get when you stick. That's Kyrie not going to change, Hay- though. I think it changes. I think they. I think it changes. It magically in changes in the postseason. I don't see that happening. They're not. They're not the Warriors, right? Because I. They're hardly the first team to go through this, though. Yeah, but you go through it when your players are good. You don't go through it when Jalen Brown thinks like he should be shooting more than he is, and Jason Tatum can't create. And so, speaking of guys Tatum who can't can pass create. or get to the rim, like that's that's who Jay, I, I just don't think Jason Tatum is that good. And and so, there you go. And and Hayward, it's like you feel bad for the guy. Like he's really yeah. I mean, good, there, right? there's, so, that's a that's different tough. discussion though. But just like talking right. pure basketball, he's disappointing. And it's not his fault. Sure, that, that's it's not. Kind of, but like the yeah. reality is, the at this point, the Celtics are doing this thing where they're trying to get him to rediscover himself. They're not going to do mm-hmm. that if it's the playoffs. They're just not. What you think they're just going to sit him? Like for no, games? I mean he's just going to go down to fifteen minutes a game or something instead of playing 25, 27 minutes, running pick and rolls, doing things like it's it's just going to get like you're going to fall into a smaller role when the games matter. Who, who, do you, who go, would you rather have? Right who would you now, rather have, Pascal right Siakam or Jason Tatum? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'd rather have Ky, I'd rather have Kyrie and Horford than, than Kawhi, Kawhi and, and Lowry. Honestly, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm just, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm than, saying right now, Lowry, right, right yeah. now, Kyrie's playing maybe 32 minutes a game because they're trying to play 12 players. If Stevens is doing that in the playoffs, he's a sight. You know, like that's just. That's just right. stupidity, right? Right. Like Kyrie's averaging twenty three points a game, which isn't really you know anything special in this league, but it's because he's playing like thirty two minutes. I think he's playing. He's like fiftieth in minutes. They're not extending anyone right now. I think it's a very big long con. God, I, I just, I that's. I just that's too much credit, I think, given to the coaching staff and to a team that really hasn't it's a proven very, anything. It's a very well run organization. As much yeah, as okay, it's... yeah, well they haven't won any championships, so I, I yeah, I'll they, I'll they, give they, you they won one. I, they won one. <laughs> that's true. I will give you I will give them that benefit of the doubt if that is something that they show they can actually do. 
which we haven't seen yet. But okay, how about this? How about the Bucks? We haven't talked about the Bucks. Who actually the Bucks are legit? Have, yeah, let's but, talk about them because they have the coaching. I think they have the best coach team so far um, so, in the East. So they've been the best team in the East. Giannis absolutely deserves to win MVP or be you know top three in MVP. He's he's right there, right? Um, my my general issue with them is their best players a player you can't go through at the end of the game. Yeah, yep, yep. And he's gonna demand two bodies, so he'll create a mismatch just by you know being there, which matters. But end of the day, he's creating mismatches for Middleton and Bledsoe, and I just don't know how I feel about yeah. that. Middleton's very good, but like it, that's generally where the, the concern comes for for me. I mean, honestly, right, there's part of that with um, the Raptors, too. They don't have much outside of Kawhi. And really, it goes for every single team in, in the NBA, probably besides the Rockets, maybe, and an OKC, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, they just they just have one guy, and even he's not very good at, at, at scoring at the end of games. You don't trust him that much. Give me Kawhi any, any other day. Give me Kawhi, uh, Kyrie, right? Um, so I, I think we're, we're good on that. The thing is, we don't really get to slander any East team, right? Because we can go all day about James Harden and Russ and LeBron. We don't have much to say about these East teams. They're fun. I mean, the Sixers, I guess, is the team that we don't take seriously, even though they're playing very well. Oh, I, I take them serious. You do, the Sixers. Why is that? Because they have Embiid and Butler. Because yeah. for Simmons, who, who, by the way, is in a bad situation, like it's just the worst fit for him, you know? Like, imagine if he had a situation like Giannis. I'm not saying he's anywhere near as good as Giannis or anything, but if he had a situation where he just put a bunch of shooting and run around him, what is LeBron doing right now? <laughs> yeah, you see that? You see that? Oh, God. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, end of the day, they have two top 15 players, maybe two top 10 players. I don't know. I don't know where you rank. Top, In, top 15, yeah. yeah. Top, top 12 to 13. <laughs> but... um. And I think that matters. I think that matters deeper into the playoffs. Like this, this is where my skepticism with Toronto and Milwaukee to a lesser degree comes is the layers. When you get deeper into a series against a team who has comparable talent to you, you have to have layers to what you do. And I worry about those teams who are ultra dependent on one guy who has some holes, like be it Kawhi's hole is passing or Giannis can't shoot, right? Like, those holes matter when you get into game five versus team, game six versus yeah. team. Yeah. Um, and in Philly's case, while they have the weirdest fit, probably the worst fit of any team, right? Yeah. They yeah. also have the most talent. And they can go through, like, they can they can run the Jimmy, whoever, pick and roll. They can they can go through and beat in the post. They can go through and beat in the high post. They can do some stuff. with. They have a lot of options. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That crunch time scoring ability, which kind of sets Kyrie apart from really like any player in the NBA besides the best players, um, that's huge. And they have two of those guys, right, that, that can do that. Uh, Embiid maybe not yet, but, you know, he'll, he'll get there. I think he's that great. So let me, um, let me back this one thing up. I do think this is where the stats kind of miss stuff. The stats tell you what happens, um, and it's important to consider it, and there's a lot of validity in what the numbers say. But at the end of the day, no one in the NBA in the regular season is playing the same team multiple times in a row where they're playing matchup-based stuff. When you play matchup-based stuff, it comes a lot more down to – skill set and 
kind of just what you can do to manipulate matchups more so than like, I have a great plan A. So I think this is where the Warriors, I think this is the Warriors are, are, are so good to bring it back to them, especially in the postseason, is that they just, their offense and their defense, they just wear you down. Like you can't, for as much shit as we talk about their offense and we say, hey, they should be running this, this. What they do is so unpredictable while being predictable that you can't do anything about it. They run plays, but the counters that they have to those plays, they've run it so many times that even if you know what's going to happen, it doesn't matter. And that's what makes them so good, especially late in the series. That's why they always win the road games, right? I mean, they have the most talent, but they're able to do that because it's just it's just something that they've done so many times before and I, I think that's the um, experience factor that people don't think about when they're like oh you know maybe Boston has a chance or yeah Toronto but no, no one's actually thinking the Warriors gonna lose so let's take it or at least or at least I don't know I mean there are people that are saying they take the field I think that's a real thing I think there are there are people there are smart people no more than maybe two weeks ago that have said that and maybe two weeks from now when the Warriors lose three in a row or four or five they might say that as well I think that's actually been said, and I think that's one of the things where people don't take experience in what you're saying because, you know, game six is different from game one, right? Like that pick and roll or that, you know, back door that's been working for a game or two isn't going to work anymore. And uh, I think the Warriors are great at it now. I, here's what I rank the, the East, by the way, in terms of contenders. And you let me know what, what yours looks like. Um, I would go Toronto. I'd go Milwaukee. I'd go Philadelphia. And then I'd go Boston. Um, in terms of the four teams I'm, that I think are going to get there. I'm legitimately 100% the opposite of you. I have Philly number two. I have Milwaukee number three. I'm not, I'm not even... You have Toronto number four? I don't buy them. Oh, wow. We didn't plan this. I just, I, just want, I just want to see Kyle Lowry do it. I just, I'm just not buying it. Why, why should I buy it? They don't... They Danny don't Green's have... a proven player. Serge Ibaka's played in the postseason before. Kawhi's legit. Bro, I mean, you're like Kyle Lowry's about, one. You're talking about like Sean Livingston. Relax. <laughs> okay, you're relying on guys that are 20 years old that have never done anything. No, I'm not. Like, They're like the fifth man. So it's Al Horford. It's actually we're not going to do this. We just went through this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as entertaining as it would be, uh, we will we we'll, will continue we'll save this, this for another time. Let's let's. Yeah, let's do uh let's do let's spend a couple minutes uh before we get out of here on boogie oh sorry on kd and draymond because marcus had one of my favorite pieces on the warriors this season um if not my favorite about how draymond and kd pretty much got through what they went through not because of time but because the way they communicated with each other and the way that they talked to each other about things i think a lot of the times with teams and people is you kind of sweep things under the rug and you say, Hey, you know, a couple months you'll feel better. or It'll just go away. I think KD and Dre are both mature enough to realize that that's not how this is going to work if they're going to win a title and maybe more. And so that was fascinating to me. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? Because it's, it's a great thing and, and it kind of bodes well perhaps for KD resigning. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I did think the same thing. It spoke to their maturity. They, you know, they, they weren't going to let it fester. I just don't know that I can read anything into it beyond this season. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I came out on it. 
I was impressed by KD and Draymond kind of working through it and seeing the bigger picture. But I don't know that I I buy that it, it you know it's predictive. Just because of the, I assume the way just KD kind of flip flops, right? Not flip flops, I guess. Or he's just kind of honest in the way that he feels differently on on a week to week, day to day basis. Well, and I think that's just kind of the nature of the NBA these days. You know, like there's certain exceptions, but I don't know that most players have loyalty to teams the way they did. I don't know, maybe 25 years ago. Maybe they didn't 25 years ago. They just didn't have the freedom. I just find it fascinating because of the way Steph leads, right? He he's mature. He's kind of he's emotionally like, you know, state I shouldn't say stable, but still, I guess you could say. And someone that's kind of always looking big picture. Draymond is is a leader as well, but a little bit different, right? So it was kind of interesting to see like, hey, he's got people that tell him he fucked up. He admitted he fucked up. And, you know, with him most of the time, he's kind of honest, right? And same with KD. And I think there are some weeks where you're like, okay, KD's gone. And he thinks he's gone. He's sitting there like, dude, like this is boring. I don't. I'm not having fun here. I'm not happy. I'm gonna go there. And I think like in the moment of this piece and the moment of what happened, I think he was thinking, hey, you know, like it'd be great to stay here and play at Chase for the next four years. Kind of what you're saying. And it just to capture those moments in time and put it in a piece and have it sit there for the season is is fascinating because. You can see this, and for the next month, we can dissect it and say, all right, everything that KD does means he's going to stay, and he's probably flip-flopped about 20 times since then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's kind of where I came out on it. It's just not much else to say. It was just mature. It's not the way you see other teams deal with things. No. Let's look at let's look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, right, of the past four years. Like, let's look at what was said on IG, right, and things that are <laughs> and things that are said through the media. Right, like like Kyrie and LeBron, essentially, like their version of this is just kind of, oh, telling ESPN, telling this, and leaking it right away. Like this this piece, what Marcus reported, happened before the interview with Chris Haynes. Right, that's like a month ago. Right, what Kyrie did when he said he called LeBron and said how how great of a of a you know how he messed up, et cetera, blah blah blah. That was leaked like a day after. Which is like, come on. I saw you tweet out stage social media event. I mean, <laughs> come yeah, on, man. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're right. But um, we can take that a step farther. I mean, that... that Please. You, it, it, you can credit staff, but it's it's organizational leadership too. Um, it's it's faith in the organization. Like, the, the Cleveland thing was beyond LeBron. But, I mean, he made it worse too, where no one trusted management. And then it just turns into kind of, you know, everyone out for themselves versus having a bigger picture view because no one um, in the Warriors is necessarily worried that, you know, Joe Lacob is going to trade them for Isaiah <laughs> Thomas or something. I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's that. And it's also, I think the um, we I think we've said disease more about 50,000 times in the last uh, 10 pods. But I think it's it is that it's the disease of showing that you are the alpha on the team, and a lot of people are like that. Kyrie, LeBron, Russ, all these guys are just like, oh, eh, maybe not so much Harden, but like, we just want to show that we're the leader. Oh, you we're don't the think guy. he is? You don't think he's loving <laughs> Martyr Ball? I, I think Harden loves it. I think he's a different type, though. I, I think he, he he doesn't say much, right? I, right. I, I'm all for Harden slander. 
but he doesn't say much. He doesn't try to twist things his way. He just goes out there and hoops, and you gotta respect that. Yeah, he just he doesn't talk to his story. teammates and has three security guards around him. <laughs> um, a lot of people are like that. I think with the Warriors, I think you know Steph is not like that. I think Draymond kind of understands. Uh, he's not that type of player. Clay, same thing. I don't think KD's like that. I think KD has tried to be like that. Remember, like not nice or whatever that he yeah. did that campaign he did a co- years back. Like, but I think at this point he's he's mature enough to know he's not that type of guy, and so that's why it kind of works out perfectly for the Warriors when it's like when things that kind of rocky. It's a cool way to look into leadership and how the Warriors have it different. We have it lucky um, watching these guys compared to other teams because, I mean, let's look at your let's look at your boys in Boston, right? Like they don't really They'll be have... fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> um, so, well. We'll, we'll kind of end it. The Warriors play Boston on Saturday. That'll be a great game. Last year's game was a Steph and Kyrie duel. Um, that's always fun. Is it in Boston or is it in, in Golden State? I think it's in Boston. It's in Boston. I'm, I'm excited for it just because I'm still hanging with my – this is going to be the finals preview. We shall see, though. We shall see. Yeah. Would be a hell of a finals. It's pretty much – it would be East Coast, West Coast and all the major sports. I mean, MOB, right? They had – Boston, LA, and then and then in the New England Rams, and then the Rams, by the way, essentially a, a Bay Area team for us because of Jared Goff, and then uh, and then you have uh, Boston and, and West Coast again in the in the finals, coin to Sam. So um, I think we're done. We cool. are done. <laughs>